Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and we're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 12th, and this is the 43rd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a -a one-of-a-kind culinary agent, and I will introduce him shortly. But first, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to be a yes person. Be the one who people rely on. The guy or gal who gets the job done and makes things happen. Yes people are the people you can count on, no matter how much they have on their plate. They say, ask a busy person to do something, as you know it will get done. And I believe that's true. But yes, people also need to be careful not to overcommit. There are times when you need to say no, and that's okay. Just say yes when you can. It will make a positive difference. That is my tip today. Now, I'm very excited about my guest. It is Scott Feldman, owner of 212 Next. A 15-year veteran of the hospitality and lifestyle industry, Scott is known for his talent of developing sustainable relationships on behalf of clients and the execution of strategic marketing platforms for consumer brands. In 2004, he was named one of Crane's New York's 40 Under 40 in recognition of his leadership in the hospitality industry and impact on the city's fast-paced restaurant scene. That same year, he founded 212 Next to build mutually beneficial and financially advantageous relationships for his individual and corporate clients, that include prominent chefs and restaurateurs such as Mario Batelli, Tom Colicchio, Harold Dieterle, and Jeffrey Zakarian. So welcome, Scott. Thank you very much for having me here. I'm excited to have you here. I normally run into you at events, and it's a kind of a quick hi-bye, how you doing? And so now we, we have a good 45 minutes We have a to nice, talk. intimate setting. Yes, we do. We do. So thank you for joining me. I wanted to see, so how did you get started in culinary world? So I've had a passion for the culinary industry and really the hospitality industry for my entire life. Um, I'm the um, not the quintessential Jewish kid from Long Island. Um, my father actually was an Irish tavern owner in Roslyn ah. uh, when I was nine years old. I like to say that I started my career pulling pints at nine or really sweeping the floors. Um, and I've had a love for it. I, I love the interaction between a customer and whether you call it a server or an establishment. I love what hospitality stands for, whether it's in your home or it's in a restaurant. Um, and in general, the, the entire atmosphere is something that excites me and I'm passionate about. Wow, that's, that's a good reason to get in this industry. So then how did, but what, 
I know you worked at American Express. So was that your... It was. It was my... I'd like to say it's my... I mean, I couldn't have done what I'm doing today without it. So I came out of college. Um, I was a... As everybody usually is. I was a bartender and party promoter. Um, So got my chops really as a bartender in hospitality. Um, But I was a creative marketing guy. And so um, throughout college, had promotions business and um, it it did a lot of what I call throwing parties. Um, When I came out of college, I had this notion that um, I was going to follow in my brother's footsteps. Uh, He was in advertising and I said I needed to do it. Kind of the old age um, or old adage of madman. I believed in the four o'clock martini and I believed in um, creative campaigns that were going to change the world. Got a scholarship for it at Boston University and then went to Ogilvy and made their advertising um, my first job out of school. And uh, quickly, uh, the day before I started, uh, the head of human resources called me and said, just so you know, you haven't lost your job. I'm just calling to let you know we're changing your account and you're going to take over the American Express account. And so I took over American Express as their um, account executive, at that point an assistant account executive, uh, worked for them for a year, got promoted to Maxwell House, which was like the icon package goods account, told them I was leaving and went to work for my client. And so spent 12 years at American Express running their restaurant and entertainment industry and um, did everything from managing 250,000 restaurants across North America to, um, you know, coming up with uh, creative marketing campaigns that would inherently embed American Express in the DNA of restaurants, accepting the car with a welcome hand and making sure that the establishments were happy with the value equation between the card services of American Express and a customer that comes into their establishment. I'm learning because I've known you a while and I've always wanted to talk more about your background and, and how you've... So then you got to 212 in 2004. And also, just let me say, this Crane's 40 Under 40 is... is I'm always impressed with people so on that funny list. enough, uh, I... Got the harebrained idea. One day was watching Jerry Maguire, and I like to say I didn't get drunk and write a mission statement, but I sort of did. I believed in <laughs> – I was supposed to be an agent for William Morris before I even went to Ogilvy & Mather. Um, sadly, the client that I was supposed to have, which was my best friend, ended up selling his first picture for a million dollars. I was not part of it. Um, But really had this notion that you could do more for clients. Um, Started to see the cusp of celebrity in the the restaurant world. Um, How outside of the four walls of a restaurant, people were starting to notice who chefs were, who mixologists were, um, who owners were, right? Part my mentors at Amer- when I was at American Express in the industry were Danny Meyer and Alan Stillman and, and you know, the, the Joe, uh, you know, Joe Baum, the, the likes of the rock stars of the industry. And quite frankly, believed that I could take them out of the four walls of the restaurant and do something for them within the entertainment space. Um, so I literally, like Dickie Fox, I clapped my hands. I woke up in the morning and I said to American Express, I was going to go out and do my own thing and went and got some investment money and uh, learned how to raise money on my way to a meeting um, off the internet and raised some capital <laughs> and then started started 212. And and really the, the catalyst for it was and, and you mentioned before, we are managers, not agents. And quite frankly, the, the notion was, as the entertainment industry has an advisor and a counselor and a consigliere as a manager, that's what we are to the chef industry and the hospitality industry. Yes, I, I, was, I, I wasn't sure exactly if a culinary agent is the correct 
term. But however, in the industry, you you know your Jerry Maguire reference, I didn't know of, but I do know that yes. people have referred to you as the Ari Gold of the industry. Uh, from people don't know um, Entourage, yes, a famous character. So I mean, does that does does that um, upset you when people it, say that? It's or not is that no, like a, it's a, you know a Entourage. Doug Allen ha- happens to be an acquaintance, and um, he did an amazing job of depicting uh, what is the relationship between a celebrity talent, a manager, or a best friend, a manager, and um, an agent. And quite frankly, in this industry, we play both worlds. I mean, there are clients that we have that we are purely their manager and there is no one else. And then there are clients that we have that we partner with some of the biggest agencies in the world. And quite frankly, they're great relationships and partnerships. Um, you know, the only thing that... Uh, uh, that comes to mind and, and makes me upset is I don't scream all the time. Um, I do wear a lot of nice suits and I don't wear them as tight as Ari Gold did. But quite frankly, it's a it's a compliment <laughs> for um, anyone to even uh, have me in the notion of what uh, that show is is basically designed after, which is Ari Manuel, who's one of the most successful agents in the business, started William Morris, started Endeavor, um, and and has has catapulted the careers of significant celebrities and talent within the entertainment world. Yes, I will vouch. I've never seen you throw anything. And I think I think it's that you're a mover and shaker. You know, like you, you get you get the job done. And you're working so when you started two twelve, who was who was the first client of yours? So we're ten years old this year. I'm really knock on wood. Congratulations. Um, Where's the very, party? Very excited. We actually <laughs> threw a big party in Aspen at the oh, 212 I house. Missed it. Um, lots of sabering bottles of champagne. And quite frankly, the, the most thrilling part of that as a business owner is to surround yourself, surround yourself by great people. And, and quite frankly, my team is amazing, um, who supports me every day and at the same time leads our charge in the industry and more so the clients. I mean, I can say, um, in one hand, the clients that we've lost, and I could tell you in bundles the clients that we've had from day one. And so um, the first client ever uh, was a small restaurant tour in Cleveland, uh, had an 80-seat restaurant, uh, and that was about it, had been in the industry forever, and was one of my dear friends. Quite frankly, um, I was on a golf course in, uh, I think it was somewhere either in Ohio or in Chicago, and he tapped me on the shoulder while I was rock- walking down, uh, say it was the 12th hole. Uh, we were actually on the course with my boss at the time. And he said, hey, I hear you might be leaving American Express. Why don't you represent me? And I said, listen, this isn't the time to talk about it, but I'm thinking about it. Um, and ended up giving my notice probably about a year later, and it was Michael Simon. And quite frankly, one of my biggest accomplishments is is not what we've done for Michael, but being part of a team that has literally taken Michael from being a, he was on TV before we got there on a show that he likes to joke was seen in prisons and old age homes um, on the Food Network, <laughs> but has really catapulted after Next Iron Chef to now being, um, as I mentioned earlier in, in our talks, um, you know, the second rated daytime show host on TV, second to Ellen. That's and that's, that's a culinary professional. That's a chef. And so for me, the biggest mark in my career is that 10 years ago, there were some agents. John Rosen at William Marsh does a great job. There were some agents and they were managing some people. Quite frankly, I think when we came on the scene, we've helped uh, redesign what the industry looks like and the respect for culinary professionals, hospitality professionals within the entertainment genre. 
Absolutely. So relating to Michael Simon, who's now, it's the Chew. And so are these deals with that you negotiated with with his career, let's say in particular, particularly, like which, I, I mean, are you've been with him now for A long years, time. And he has, I mean, I always... I always remember him from Asthma Food and Wine and his culinary demos and having amazing laugh and just great personality. But yeah, he has come a long way. So what was the what were the what's the process like? I mean the process is it's different for every person. You know, we get calls all the time for people who want to sadly, the end goal of what people think we do is get people on TV. And it is an end goal. We'd love it. TV begets more things. Um, but that being said, there are different levels of sort of entertainment within the industry and what people can make careers out of. We have clients who have never been on TV who are significant entertainment properties and work with brands. Um, but the process for Michael was literally uh, the first deal we did was a deal that he literally walked into a meeting and I said, listen, let me guide the conversation the best thing you can do is let me negotiate for you because you'll never get what you want. And quite frankly, within three minutes, he stepped and he's like, you know, Scott's a little bit of a, I won't use my term, but a little bit of a D-bag and, you know, he's just doing his job. You know, we shouldn't, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt the relationship. And I was like, you just actually lost yourself a lot of money. And quite frankly, that deal um, continued to be a 12 to 15 year relationship for him. We went from um, being, uh, being paid in product to making some significant dollars. And um, the process was one by one, brand by brand, um, building relationships. It was about what's your next move on TV, where should you be, what you should you should be doing. And quite frankly, some of it is dumb luck. I'm not going to lie. You know, we won the first ever Next Iron Chef. You know, I, tell, I, I laugh all the time that my hand has been on the front fold of a newspaper in Cleveland. It was my big, we, I went to a party that was supposed to be 30 people and there were 250 people cheering and rooting for a guy that literally was my best friend but became my client and it was within a year of me doing business and I, I have to say I still have the paper uh, you know I like to I framed it my hands there um, but it's all about Michael and, and what I'll say again is surrounding yourself by great people includes surrounding yourself with great, great clients and I, I am just a spoke in the wheel and quite frankly we do what we do they will do what they do and we get to be successful together it's wonderful. I was just in this Roots conference and met a lot of people from Cleveland, and he is he is very well loved there the and everywhere. Uh, yeah, I mean, second to LeBron James, he may be the most famous person in Cleveland. Yeah, and I, I, would, know, I say that now. I would not have said that a couple of months ago. And in our world, he's definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it was it was nice. It was nice talking to people and getting that feedback because I. I greatly admire him and think he's Yeah, great. it's, um, you know, as I said before, being second to Ellen DeGeneres in an awareness of numbers within TV is, is mind-boggling to me. But, it, but if you really think about it, you know, we're very, very insular within the industry. And it's what you said before. You know, we get to see each other passing at events, but we see each other at every event. And um, <laughs> if you think about the, the setting we're in, I'm looking out in a window and looking out at a thriving restaurant. And quite frankly... Um, these people aren't just talking about, hey, what'd you do today? They're talking about the bottle of wine. They're talking about the food in front of them. Uh, you're at an iconic place. They're talking, some of them probably came from 
all ends of the earth to get here um, to be able to taste the food. And it, that to me is is what this industry is all about. This industry is it's thriving. And the fact that we've gotten to touch entertainment is a really good thing. The fact that you think Michael is amazing and beloved is amazing to me. I love it. And it's not just because you're in the entertainment part of the world, but quite frankly, if you lived in Cleveland, you'd think he was a rock star too. His food's amazing. He's done amazing things for the community. And and by the way, Michael is one of, you know, we have about 40 clients contractually and um, he's one of them. And, and they're, they've all touched markets and careers and people's lives in so many different ways. It's one of the things I pride myself on is 99% of the clients that we work with are all core working restaurateurs, chefs, or hospitality professionals. We have a couple that are just on TV, but quite frankly, they're, they're, they're bred out of the industry. And so it's not just we're, we're, we're managing entertainment professionals. Not to say we couldn't. I mean, we could. And, and I was acquired three and a half years ago by Next Models. And quite frankly, we managed some significant entertainment professionals. Everyone from, you know, names that you would know. Um, and it's sort of the same discipline. Um, I just happen to take it from a culinary and from a hospitality um, right. uh, direction. Uh, but I could do it for anyone in any discipline. Amazing. Okay, we're going to take a little break here. So stay with us. This is all in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. Since 2001, Heritage Foods USA has sold pasture-raised, antibiotic-free heritage meats to restaurants and homes around the country. Our farmers raise their animals with care using traditional methods guaranteed to produce the very best-tasting meat. Our pork breeds include Berkshire, Red Wattle, Duroc, Gloucester Old Spot, Large Black, and Tamworth, and our beef comes from Piedmontese, Angus Akiyushi, Belgian Blue, Highland, Simmental, and Belted Galloway cattle. We also carry a rotation of 24 rare breeds of heritage chicken, seasonal specialties like lamb, goat, geese, and of course, heritage turkeys. Visit us online at www.heritagefoodsusa.com or give us a call at 718-389-0985 to place your order today. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Scott Feldman of 212 Next. So, Scott, I wanted to ask you about your your motto, which is building brands to their boiling point. I love it. How did you come up with that? So naming a company is probably the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. Mine was easy. I used my last name. Aside from naming a child, (laughs) which I've done twice, um, naming a company is really tough. A... I didn't want my name on the door for a specific reason, especially because of the discipline I was going into. I didn't want it to be about me. And I literally came up with a hundred different names. And every time you come up with one, it's taken. Um, I literally at my, I gave myself 30 days and I did a little think tank with my brother, my cousin, actually an ex-girlfriend, someone else on the terrace of my apartment. And literally, at my wit's end, I was like, okay, we're at like 29 days and I need a name for the company. I originally wanted to call the company 
Touch Enterprises, and everyone said I'd be on the back back of a bathroom stall that said Scott Feldman touches you, um, <laughs> and and ended up my brother said, "What about one twelve management marketing management and marketing?" And I was like, "One twelve? What are you talking?" He goes, "Just I think it's right. It's the boiling point of water." And I said, "Great." And I called Chef Friend, who was. I'd say Michael's the first client, but there was another Michael who was one of my first clients, Michael Schleil out of Boston, who's a phenomenal restaurateur and has expanded all over the country. Um, and I said, Michael, what do you think about naming the company 112 Management Marketing? He goes, what's that? I go, it's the boiling point of water. And he said, that's 212 schmuck. And literally, um, 212 was born. And I said, 212, the boiling point of water, bringing brands to the boiling point. And it was literally about taking the process of heating up a brand and bringing it to a boil and, and bring it to the, the quintessential moment you can do something with it. And that's what I think we've done with talent. You have. And I have to say, I always thought 212 was a tie-in to New York City, our area. So, so did everybody. <laughs> I, actually, I still do. The I, funny I just... part is um, – it actually wasn't even a thought process. Um, and afterwards, we said, oh, and it's 212. And actually didn't do 212 for the purpose of not being linked to New York because we were a national company. Um, and But the funniest part was we launched the company in Aspen with our access party. Mm-hmm. And uh, the boiling point of water there is 192 degrees. <laughs> so not – I mean, we're marketers, but sometimes not that smart. <laughs> Well, that's, I, I really, I always thought there was a tie-in and maybe it was just meant to be. But so speaking of Aspen, so let me, let me jump into my, I had two <laughs> questions uh, from my guest last week. I had on Randy Fisher, the president and founder of CREAM, which stands for Culinary Related Entertainment and Marketing. So I CREAM asked, always rises to the top. He's a he, good man. It's another good, good He's motto good he has. Yeah, he is. And um, so two questions. The first was, why can't he ever get into the 212 house in Aspen, regardless of who he knows? It's, it's a very, very, very tight list. And he's obviously not for it. No. no. <laughs> um, quite frankly, uh, he's been there. And um, I invite him with open arms. He's a great guy. Uh, you know, we created Access um, literally to launch the company. But it was really about a safe haven for the industry. And and all access is, is you know, in the days of um, proprietary uh, gifting suites at Sundance, and um, we just turned the heels on it. We said we don't want it to be logos. We don't want to step and repeat. We literally want a safe haven where brands can come and and have time with talent, but in a very, very secure and organic atmosphere that you could shake hands and make a deal or you could talk to a colleague and find out what they're doing. And quite frankly, it's been just that. We've never, ever veered away from it. Um, we, we do have brands that are integrated and some phenomenal brands over the 10 years that have been included um, and have stuck with us. And, and it really, are, why it stood the test of time, in my opinion, is it didn't become a brand party. It literally is the industry's time to celebrate. And as I said earlier, we hit 10 years and we did a big party for the celebration. And my biggest success story is the fact that I was surrounded by clients and friends in the industry that have been have been with me for the 10 plus the other time when I was still working with them at American Express um, and, and literally celebrated us and thanked us for doing it. And quite frankly, you know, we've gotten to a point where we're 10 years and, and we've matured. And, and so it's not so much prospecting and, and treating talent well, so they'll become clients. It's more about treating the industry and our friends to a great time in a secure venue where they can enjoy themselves. 
Well, I need to say thank you because I've been several times in Aspen and South Beach and it is, it's, it's the best. It's it's the late night. It's the it's the industry. I mean, I'm all all about the industry. And the the, so. the interesting thing is we we changed the dynamic of it from Aspen, which is sort of like camp, right? Everybody comes to Aspen. There's nowhere else to go, yeah. and we collect everybody. In Miami and New York, it's a little different. Everyone has their spot to go to, and so we've changed. That's the only change we've done over 10 years. It really evolved it to just be one night. Um, and, and again, we don't fight for the audience. We, we want people to be there because they want to be there. They know we're there. Build it, and they'll come. Uh, it's not it, – we don't – I mean, quite frankly, the funniest part is um, I actually was not in New York this year. Um, I had my best friend, um, the last of us to get married, and I was the best man at the wedding. And literally, I sat doing my speech at the wedding, and I kept getting pictures of me with everybody at the party. My team had actually done life-size cutouts of me because they didn't feel it would be appropriate for me not to be there. And what I loved about it was – it's so not about us. It's literally about a safe haven for people to come and know that we're there. It's like when people say the coffee, the lights are on and the coffee's on the uh, the coffee pot is on. That's who we are. We're we're here for the industry to come, enjoy themselves, and celebrate. Yeah. So, will you be at South Beach this year? Or you- we will. All right. And I will be there. I maybe. <laughs> I will. Be I mean, there I've too. actually. I'll look it for could you. be a nice vacation for me. I'll just do a cutout, and everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Good plan, backup plan. Okay, so his his second question was, what's what's next on the food talent landscape? What are some of your clients looking for as far as new areas and places to break ground, noting that you do work with a lot of super chef talents, and you do? You know, it's a, it's a great question, and it's one that I think about all the time. Uh, obviously, growing the business is important over time. You know, again, 10 years ago, we were on the cusp of something. Um, it's now matured to some degree. Um, you've got The Chew on ABC. You've got The Kitchen on TV Food Network. Um, it, it's daytime TV. You've got, you know, right now, challenging competition is the TV thing. But quite frankly, there's a lot of, on Cooking Channel and Food Network, there's a lot of lifestyle. There's a lot of, not dump and stir, but a lot of teaching and actually sort of getting into someone's life. You know, Ina, Ina Garten has been on TV forever, and she's beloved. Um, and they're starting to look at shows like hers and, and who translate, like a Trisha Yearwood or the Pioneer Woman, etc. Um, I, I think for us, there is, there's mature talent which still has opportunity, but their businesses will grow in different ways. Um, there will be different verticals for them. Um, I think there are talent that you know the names of, like a Jeffrey Zakarian, who literally five years ago couldn't get him arrested. Quite frankly, he won Next Iron Chef, and his career has skyrocketed. He, he be, Even before he won, he was one of the most respected chefs in, in New York City, but yeah, quite true. frankly, didn't get the respect that he deserved. And one of the reasons that we, we put him on the show, and I fought to have him on the show, I won't, the, the, there's a gentleman at the Food Network who will say to me, thank you, because I talked him out of another talent who would have never been on the show, and said, you're, you're missing... You're missing the bus. Put Jeffrey Zakarian on. Part of why I did it was to literally get the industry to actually admit to the fact that they think he's a phenomenal chef. And you know what? He kicked butt. He did a great job. Um, Not the most glowing moment for me, considering I had two other clients on that show, and they didn't win and probably hate me for that, but that's okay. Um, They've gone on to do incredible other things. Um, And I I think so that was his trajectory, and and, uh, his trajectory, rather. And and quite frankly... um, 
his career's gone in multiple different ways from them. Um, you know, there is there is the next generation of talent that we look for always. You know, one of the things that is bad about my business but great about my business is we tap into new and emerging talent. It's hard, right? It it doesn't bring in the money, um, but quite frankly, we look at everybody. We see, I have I have a client right now who literally came to me from St. Louis um, with her brother basically on a bus, like Almost Famous, traveled to New York City, taped it, said, I'm going to see a manager and I'm going to sign him. I'm going to make him sign me and I'm going to be on TV. And quite frankly, we're, we just did an interview with the Food Network and I have no doubt she'll be a glowing star for the Food Network in the next three years. And she's an unknown, untapped talent. She's beautiful. She's funny. And she is, um, quite frankly, she's a star. And so those are some of the qualities that you see. Again, dumb luck. We, where we do not profess to be, you know, um, uh, Simon Cowell. We, we, I don't profess to sit behind a desk and say, wow, that person is going to be talented. But I think from a marketing sense and from a common knowledge sense and from a overall business context, we see glimpses of opportunity. And those are the ones we'll spend our time on and our resources on. And hopefully they turn out to something because, quite frankly, we don't make money unless they do. And so, uh, you know, we got to take our bets very seriously. Uh, it, it's a risky business. You, you, you can't bet on everyone. And quite frankly, that's the hardest part of my, my job is to, to tell people, you know what, quite frankly, you're another white male chef. You're not going to be on TV. Or you know what, you're amazing at what you do and you're talented. I just don't know if TV is in your cards or I don't know if brands are – you don't have enough social chat, media channels to, to, to have awareness and people aren't, don't know who you are. Um, it's a hard thing, especially to tell a professional who's been at this game for a long time. Wow. You had a lot in there. That was a great story. I can't wait to to, to see what this talent is. Um, I'm sure I will be hearing about her. Okay, so we're going to take another break here, and we're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry and Heritage Radio Network. This is All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest is Scott Feldman. And it's time for my speed round game. Are you ready, Scott? I think so. I'm just going to name two things and you pick your preference. Okay. okay. It's easy. Okay, here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? All of the above. Very cool. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Depends. I'll take a depends. <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> okay. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? The bar. Nice. I should add that in. How about fedora or any other type <laughs> of hat? Um, all of the above. <laughs> I am known for my hats. <laughs> Aspen or a South Beach? Aspen. 
Amex, MasterCard, or Visa? Still have a blue box somewhere. Uh, American <laughs> Express. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? <laughs> Cocktail or location? Um, I, you're you not know, the first to say that. You can answer I, however you please. I would you say um, born and bred Manhattan. But I had told you the story before. Um, Brooklyn is a place to be. 100%. My first trip to Roberta's, and let me tell you something, I, I will be back. That's awesome. I love, for at least for anything that I'm getting people out to Roberta's. <laughs> no, it, it, you know about it. You hear about it. Um, <laughs> sadly, I don't get here often enough, but I should. There is, um, in this industry, there's amazing people out here doing amazing things. Very true. So let's talk about some amazing Chicago news this week. <laughs> well, yesterday, the Michelin Guide came out for Chicago. And there was an article in the Chicago Tribune said, Grace gets third Michelin star, Alinea repeats. It was by Phil Vitell. So Chicago has two three-star restaurants, Grace and Alinea. And Grace was, was added to this list. Um, and then it has three two-stars, which is 42 Grams, 16, and L2O, which has closed. So yeah. I, I lived in Chicago a way long time ago and I'm due to go back for a trip because I have a list of like 30 restaurants I want to go to um, but I, I think this is exciting I'm not that familiar I'm, I knew of Grace I'm not familiar with I didn't know of 42 Grams yeah I, I am familiar with all of them I have not eaten at all of them um, I will tell you the most intriguing part about um, Grace and about the the appointment of the stars was the video that they posted um which was literally like they had won an oscar um and the best part was you know you've got the chef and the general manager and and they started to this very calm thank you so much i'm honored and then you you heard the kitchen erupt and so for (laughs) me you know hospitality and the hospitality industry all about the team and so um for them to be able to celebrate like that is Awesome, and I'll tell you, I think that um, you know, as Michael Simon changed the dining scene, sort of in the Midwest, but in Cleveland for sure, or in Ohio for sure. Um, I think Paul Kahn and, and Donnie Medea have been overlooked um, for their work in in Chicago. I, I think Blackbird still, I think Avac, I think Big Star, they, they're amazing, amazing restaurants, and and quite frankly, would would fare well in that Michelin Michelin world. Um, I think they're, I think Chicago. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Chicago because. Um, the restaurant show was there and I ran the restaurant show um, sort of discipline for American Express for a while so oh, every year okay. I would have to go there and uh, some great stuff great stuff has come out of there and and I gotta tell you t- Paul's not not a quote unquote client but he's a dear friend and Paul and Donnie do a great job and I think sort of overlooked I think Stephanie Izzard's done a great job of coming from the top chef vein to doing really amazing things um, in Chicago and, and many more and many more I agree, and all those places are on my list. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, you know, a smaller um, number of stars for that city. Yeah. Um, and we'll see what happens next, but congratulations to all of them. I think it's it's cool. Now, this is an article I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago, and I never got around to it, so we're going to do it today. The New York Times, it was an article by Pete Wells on restaurant cocktails that aim too high. And basically, he was saying there's two categories of the good and the not good. And we were talking about this a little bit before the show, how the cocktail scene in restaurants, it's its become such a huge thing. And sometimes you're waiting a really long time for your drink. And sometimes they are amazing. And sometimes they're not as amazing, which was, I guess, his point. Um, 
what do you think about this? Uh, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who became a bartender. I've been a bartender on everything from a 1920s ferry boat wearing a bowler hat um, and and riverboat uniform uh, to being a, a, a bartender and doing jello shots in Boston. Um, it's an amazing career. I think they're amazing guys. The gentleman that we met before um, is quintessential to me, whether you call him a mixologist or a bartender is awesome. That's he's Damon a, Bolte. The sh- a, he does the show before mine. He's a therapist. He's a hospitality guy. He's amazing. Yes. And, he, and he believes and has a passion for what he does. I, I think cocktail culture is amazing. I love that what's old is new. Um, and I will say to you that anyone who's out there doing it, um, I think there's an extreme balance. I think you're still in the hospitality and service business. And if you want to make an incredible cocktail with 32 ingredients, that's great. But make sure it's in front of your guest within a time frame that they have on their mind and their expectation. Nobody cares what it looks like, tastes like if it comes late. And quite frankly, I think people have gone over the edge. There's too many ingredients in it. It's like what I say about the culinary world. Um, you know, the greatest things are the sim- simple things. And uh, I'm not saying you have to just serve gin and tonics, but I-, I think the old standards are amazing. I think you can make um, adjustments to them, um, but pay tribute to them. And at the same time, uh, just make sure you're, you're remembering that you're still in the service industry. Yes, I, I definitely agree with all that. And it will be interesting to see what happens next? You know, I, I mean, we weren't we weren't talking about these cocktails five years ago. It's no. it's a brand. But I also I think the other side of it is there are so many simple things you can do within cocktail culture that don't have to rely on thirty two different ingredients. Quite frankly, if you look at what has, um, in my opinion, sort of changed the dynamic of of co- cocktail culture is ice. Right, I, I love seeing a bartender chip ice off a block or, or getting a huge ice cube. But there's a reason for it. And quite frankly, I'd rather that be the signature of the drink and know that it's going to keep my drink cold without the, diluting the, the spirit. Um, that, that's, you know, yeah. Those are things that make a difference to me. Um, and I don't think you need the 19 t- tinctures and um, 18 essences and, and quite frankly, the slap of the, hand, of the basil between the hands because it's got an essence and it's going to fill the room. Right. No, just remind me. I was, I was at Piora, uh, and, and I was sitting at the bar, and somebody ordered a fancy drink, and the bartender chipped a square glass of ice into a perfectly circular form. one. And I took out my phone and took a little video of it. I was like in the perfect seat. It was. It, it, I was a little fascinated. There's artistry to it. But what I love, and Piora is a, a great example, or Smith and Mills is a great example. Um, it literally happens like this. It's like they poured a gin and tonic. You just happen to have seen an amazing show. Um, Angel Share, which is one of the the, the holdout great first – first of all, greatest date place in the world. But um, you know, above a Chinese restaurant and, and there are only seven seats, I think, or eight seats at the bar. Those bartenders literally make you beautiful cocktails in a matter of five minutes, three minutes. That to me makes the yeah. difference. True. Okay, I'll just announce because we're running out of time on on our news section. But so the other thing I had was the New York Times announced that the dining section is now going to be called the food section. I love it. Scott loves it. I think it's cool. I think it covers all bases. I I think it covers all bases. And I think that um, the New York Times is caught up to the rest of the world that we used to call foodies. Whether you're a kid or you're an adult who just likes to go out and get a burger, it's food culture. It's lifestyle. True. 
Okay, we're going to take one more break here. Come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. It's all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, this week I checked out Little Park. Here's the rundown. The location, corner of West Broadway, West Broadway and Chambers Street in Tribeca, part of the Smith, a Thompson Hotel. The concept, a seasonal restaurant focusing on vegetables with small to mid-sized plates meant for sharing. The chef and owner, Andrew Carmelini. Why did I go? Because Andrew and the NoHo Hospitality Group are known for their excellent restaurant concepts, and I wanted to see his latest opening. My experience? I went on Monday evening, and when I arrived, the bar was full, but I waited about 10 minutes, and I was able to get a seat. The place had good energy. The staff was very accommodating. I saw Mater D. Jason Hopple working the floor, and we chatted a bit, and then I discussed menu options with the bartender. What did I get? I went all vegetarian. I had the butternut squash with Vermont burrata and the roasted sunchokes with hazelnut and black trumpet and to drink a club soda. My take, the butternut and burrata combo was colorful and delicious and the sunchokes were very tasty. The scene, a chic New York City crowd looking to check out the latest hot spot. The space was modern and elegant yet comfortable. Perfect for girls night out or date night. Interesting tidbit. The space has a bonus, an upscale, stylish bar and lounge in the hotel called The Evening Bar, which is being run by a PDT vet, Ann Robinson. Personal fun fact, as I peeked into the beautiful lounge, I ran into one of NoHo Hospitality's proprietors, Josh Pickard, who not only gave me a tour, but also introduced me to their design team, Gatshot Studios, who were lounging in the lounge. And yes, I have a new potential guest for the show. The cost, $36, pre-tax and tip. Would I go back? Absolutely. Their website is littlepark.com. This just opened, but have you been there yet, Scott? I have not, (laughs) but I will say that uh, Josh Picard and uh, Andrew are phenomenal, phenomenal hospitality people. They They do a great job. Yeah, they do. They they got it down. I think they've, uh, I think, you know, if you look at Joe's Pub and what they've done with the library, um, it's a really intimate setting, but bold at the same time and i think that's probably what this represents yes yes uh i i i think it i think it does i think they they know style they know service they know food so it's a great it's a great concept okay so it's time for the final question so next week i'm having on kathleen squires and beth federici they are the co-producers of america's first foodie a new documentary on the incredible life of james beard 
Scott, can you ask them a question? Uh, first of all, I give them credit. Uh, <laughs> obviously, a revered man in food, and so um, and a lot known about him. So to be able to document it and and um, sort of in linear fashion put it on film is is an ambitious goal. Um, I would ask them. Uh, I would actually do. The, I would like to do the um, speed round with James Beard, and I would say dine in or dine out. <laughs> I would it. say uh, bar or or a dining room, and savory or sweet. That is so awesome! <laughs> I'm 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 thrilled you're taking off the speed round with your question. I like it. I like it. Well, and I would add one more thing: um, dump and stir or competition. I'd like to know James Beard's perspective on TV today. Okay. Wow. I'm looking forward to, to asking those questions and finding out the answers. So thank you. Well, this has been fun. It went quickly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. I've been talking to Scott Feldman, the owner of 212 Next. Their website is 212.com. That's T-W-O-1-2.com. And their social media is Boiling Point 212. Mine is Sherry Bayer, Bayer PR, and All Industry. And you can also check my Facebook page at um, All in the Industry, where I post a lot of news and pictures. Now, if you miss a live broadcast, you can always find us archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Jack. And thanks to Scott and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock with another live episode of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hope you'll tune in then. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 